0: Welcome to the Paywall Podcast, where we discuss paywalls and paywall strategies. We will talk with some of the publishers that we work with at Zine 101, the things that work and the things that don't. There's so many amazing things you can do in the digital world as a publisher to not only increase your digital subscriptions, but also engage your audience. Let's get started.
1: Hey, this is Pete again at the Paywall Podcast, uh, talking about all the great things you can do uh, with uh, your paywall strategy to generate more subscribers. Uh, Today, we're going to have a really interesting talk about uh, what we're calling uh, six successful new publications or new product launches in the digital space. And uh, we're going to look at some different publishers and what they've done. And we have a history with with uh, all of these, uh, and uh, kind of discuss where they are now, and and uh, maybe you as the publisher can cherry pick a few uh, pieces of success that they've had here in order to grow your publication. So the first one I want to talk about is 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 a really interesting one. This is the Austin <laughs> Monitor down in Austin, Texas, and they they're not brand new. They started they started up uh, five six years ago but their approach is pretty new Um, well very new and and still new today which is amazing to me but what they do is they cover town hall decisions essentially what's going on with uh, real estate development and local business and governance and what they're doing is they're actually building a database of articles so that anybody who works in governance or real estate or, or doing corporate acquisitions or whatever needs to get their hands on this Kind of information, they will actually have to pay extra for archive access. So that's the whole. They have a premium subscription level for for uh, sort of standard access to subscriptions, but any content that is over 90 days old immediately falls into an archive or premium level steps. Now, now they they use leaky paywall and they're using our archive function to. To do this and they've been doing this for over five years and and the the interesting thing is is we actually built this archive function for them so they were the first publisher that we um, that we did this for and it was kind of an experiment at the time and um, if you look at their subscriptions it's pretty interesting they have three levels Um, they have a a very low level premium level uh, which gives you 10 articles uh, per month and it's about five bucks and then there's a unlimited articles uh, per month which is twenty two dollars but it still doesn't include the archive access and you have to you have to buy the third level the all access level which is almost a hundred dollars a month in order to access um, all the archive content and this this model has been working for them they've been growing their subscriptions um, you know they're Their subscriptions are, uh, as far as the levels go, they're varied, but there definitely is a group of dedicated subscribers that are that are willing to pay the hundred dollars per month. So, you know, if you're in local uh, news coverage, this is this is something uh, absolutely to consider. And uh, just to tell a little story, I was at the uh, New York Press Association um, conference. This was a year and a half ago or something like that. Uh, And I was one of the keynote speakers. He had worked at the New York Times. He was currently at the uh, uh, San Francisco Tribune. And the audience was about 300 news publishers. So the uh, New York News Association has about 700, 800 members. It's the biggest state association in the country. And he was talking about uh, revenue generation ideas. And he asked the audience, so who's out there, you know, covering town hall stuff to build up, um, you know, a database of information uh, that you could sell to, um, you know, entities and people that needed it. And he had, he had everybody raise their hand. And the, the amazing thing is not one publisher raised their hand in the entire room. And I was th- sitting there thinking, wait a second, we just went through this project like a few years ago. Like, <laughs> Why isn't everybody doing this? Um, and it takes work, obviously, to get this done. Um, but um, I think that if, if, uh, uh, if you're in uh, the local news space, get in deep with uh, the town, uh, sort of the town hall um, uh, uh, decisions, uh, get that database and consider selling an archive uh, for access. It, it, it absolutely works. Anyway, it's austinmonitor.com. You can go take a look at it. And uh, check it out for yourself okay so that's Austin monitor and Jeremy I think you wanted to talk about universal music which is one of our other uh, clients we did some really interesting work for
0: is that right yeah 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 we did some really fun stuff with them um, so whenever the you know COVID hit, um, obviously all the live concerts uh, for the year were closed down, and so they were looking for a way to um, you know drive user engagement. To how do how do we take these live concerts, bring them online, um, and not only do that, but then also sell access to try and recoup some of the losses from that. Um, and so what they did it was really cool. Um, is they we implemented this pay per post functionality uh, for them. So basically what they can do is sell access to individual uh, pages easily, and a user can pick and choose what it is that they want to have access to. So for example, they'll take a live stream of a concert and they'll embed it on a page. And then they'll say, you know, this concert starts in X number of days, and then the user can choose which concerts they want to buy access to. And then, so they they purchase the access, they get uh, access to that page, and then there's a countdown on the page. It basically says, "Here's when the concert goes live." And then, you know, once the concert's live, then they're able to view it right there uh, on the site. Um, and so it's it's really cool because uh, you know, Leaky Paywall handles all the access side of things, um, and then uh, Universal Music can control what the site looks like. How they want the experience to be for the user as far as um, the live stream goes, so they have complete control of that. So it was just a really cool way to use the the access part of Leaky Paywall in a way that's, uh, you know, it's kind of out of the ordinary, out of the unconventional paywall process. Uh, but you know, it's worked really well for them, and it provides another another revenue stream for them. Yeah, that's that's super cool. I remember when we started that project.
1: Uh, that was kind of the first time we got involved in, in something like that. And with COVID running, um, you know, the comments were, well, you know, people can't go to live concerts really uh, like they used to. So let's do this live streaming thing and see if people will pay <laughs> for it. And, you know, Universal Music, I mean, this is Deutsch Gramophone is the the label that's actually running this. And Universal has... I don't know, 50, 100 brands. I forget how many they have. But I actually got a, I got an email back um, from them a couple of days ago because I asked them, "Hey, how's it going?" Uh, and uh, they said it's going it's going well, uh, good enough for them to uh, continue the project and try try a few new things. So I thought that was uh, that was some some really good feedback on it. And and it makes sense. I mean, we are absolutely spending money. You know, the data is telling us that e-commerce is exploding right now. People are are spending money online because we're sitting at home.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, I saw a stat the other day where the 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 gross spending for the U.S. hasn't actually changed. It's just going into e-commerce versus retail. Mm. Um, you know, so the actual amount that people are spending hasn't changed. Um, you know, despite everything that's going on, everyone's just purchasing things online and figuring out how to doing things online. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity there just to think like, okay, how can we, you know, think outside of the box a little bit with content access um, and, you know, to, you know, see what other kind of ways you can do, do something similar, um, you know, selling access to something that's, you know, even outside of your normal, just kind of like news feed uh, style. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity in that space because uh, people are used to even more than they were, uh, you know, there's read somewhere that basically this has pushed us like two or three years ahead of where we would have Mm. been with people used to using e-commerce if we hadn't had the whole, you know, COVID uh, sheltered home stuff. Uh, So I think there's a lot of opportunity uh, in just figuring out new ways to give people access to things that we haven't even touched on yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh,
1: talking to Broken Pencil Magazine. They're in Canada. They're, they uh, produce a publication to help arts publishers, comic book publishers um, succeed with their enterprises. And they have this Canzine Festival that uh, they usually have every year. That's a live event. And this year, of course, it's, there's no live event, but he's still having the Canzine Festival. And um you know, you have to you have to be, be a paid subscriber to access certain things. He's also got a He's embedding a Twitch live stream uh, onto the site. And uh, he's also has another another platform. I forget what it is to to run some of the events that are that are going on. So maybe that's something we can report on in a future episode. Um, but, yeah, it's time to definitely time to think about what kind of products you can put together um, to sell um uh in addition to paid subscriptions for sure okay i'm going to jump into uh one that's near and dear to me because it's where i live um (laughs) (laughs) this is about a uh, a uh, a local uh email newsletter that started up uh in the upper valley of new hampshire so i i live in, in this area region called the upper valley uh it's it's a lightly populated region it covers um, geographically it's pretty big it covers it's it sweeps into a chunk of Vermont and has a big chunk chunk of New Hampshire but there are only 78,000 of us in this Upper Valley so it's still pretty lightly populated and uh, we, we are served by um, the Valley News which is the local slash regional newspaper for the Upper Valley which we do subscribe to and um, uh, digitally and they are they produce original reporting. So it's, you know, it's important uh, for us to to read that. But uh, Rob Gerwitt uh, a friend of mine, uh, started up um, Daybreak as an alternative uh, newsletter, email newsletter. There's no website yet. It's just an email newsletter. And he started up a little over a year ago, I think. And what he does, and this is a trend that's happening across probably across the world Uh, but he what he does is he he curates I don't really like that word but he he curates what's happening not only with like the Valley News and Dartmouth College is sort of our center point of of schooling here in this this region Uh, what's going on on Reddit uh, Facebook groups the local town listservs uh, there's always some nice high-resolution photography from like mountainscapes where we are that are into this newsletter, and and every 6:30 a.m. the newsletter shows up and it's got a link to the source, so everybody gets credit, right? If you want to click and read the article, but he writes a a personal kind of a personal uh, review slash opinion on on you know sort of his take on what's happening with this piece of news, and then and it's always it's he's got his so sort of personal positive spin to it, and and. I quote him by saying that he he looks at, um, you know, when he started this over a year ago, it was just like he and his friends who <laughs> subscribed to the newsletter. And when I met him, he had like fifteen hundred, uh, maybe a thousand uh, email addresses. And he, and he said, you know, it's like I'm writing to my friends in the Upper Valley. Like this is our neighborhoods and I'm writing it very in a very sort of friendly tone and, and with with some humor and. Um, and uh, now he's up to um, eight thousand subscribers. So in a year or so, he's gone from zero to eight thousand uh, email subscribers. and and it's just him, right? He, he He started it. he's He's doing it. He's accumulating. He's getting a little bit of help now, but you know he's bringing in all the uh, you know all the different sources of local information into one spot and then and then throwing his spin on it. And it's been it's been amazing. It's really just amazing. You get it. It's the thing that personally I it's the first thing I read in the morning. What's going on in the neighborhood, you know? And he reports a little bit on COVID. He recruited a local doctor to come in and sort of uh, uh, screen the COVID information of the of the area. Uh, but most of it is is really um, breaks into two major sections. One is the the kind of the news, what's happening and then events and pre-COVID, it was, you know, all the, all the events you could go to. now it's a little more virtual, but it's still sort of like COVID slash events. Um, and that's the way the newsletter breaks down. Um, his his website is going to be dot uh, daybreak.news uh, when it's ready. Um, and uh, um, I wish I could give you a link, but I keep bugging him to get his website launched and he keeps saying, I'm too busy. <laughs> so maybe we have to help him with that. Uh, so anyway, so his his revenue model, let's get to that. Um, he he's a donation and sponsorship revenue model. So if you look at his newsletter, um, usually at, um, every day there's a there's a sponsored article, quote unquote, in the middle. In other words, just the title. And it's the same format as all the other news items. It's just the, the sort of the subject of it. And then his take on it which is sponsored. And, uh, and that's it. It's very lightweight. It just fits right into the content of the newsletter. And then he's got a donate button at the bottom and really in the middle that says, Hey, support us. And he offers uh, one time and subscription donations. And, you know, without giving away any numbers, he's, he's pretty pleased on, on uh, the reception he's gotten. Um, he's still obviously working on the revenue side of it, but, uh, um, He has he has a lot of uh, supporters that are that are willing to help him financially. Um, So, you know, I I was thinking that once he gets his and and he needs to get his website up. And I'd say if you were if you were building an email newsletter, that's great. And that'll absolutely help blow up that email list, which we'll always talk about is super important. Um, But the website is where like, hey, go to, you know, this web address and sign up it's the easy thing to refer people to and then the <clears throat> articles that are on the site are easy for google to index and easy for uh, people to share in social media which are you know you really need all that cooking along and then it's so easy you know it's it's easy to connect well at least with leaky paywall it's easy to connect uh to a uh, um, uh if you subscribe on the or register on the website maybe it's free registration that hands off to MailChimp which is what he uses and uh, you're just feeding people f- you know that register to the website to the MailChimp list you could even create a premium paid newsletter um, if you wanted to do it that way uh, and that will in turn grow his email list with the traffic that comes to the site and the new registrations that, that come through the site so um, th- this and like I mentioned before been reading about this, and this is this is definitely a trend that's happening um, where local towns, you know the the, the the local newspapers that are in these towns should really be driving this, right? Um, you know, not don't just do original reporting, you know, curate from social media groups, list serves, uh, you know reddit groups, um, all those, you know, whatever's on Instagram, like just look everywhere that your uh population would hang out in and start um and start being the the sort of the center for like the hub for that information so you're creating a convenient place for your local population your your neighbors to go to and um, uh, that that's a that's a big new revenue opportunity for for anybody who's either going to start up or who's already a local publisher okay so, Tyler, you have an interesting project with the Welch newspaper, I believe, in your neck of the woods that you yeah. want to talk about.
2: Yeah, so I, I'm i in West Virginia, and I uh, work with a lot of local news publishers in small towns uh, with limited access uh, to Internet Um, I always, I I think of these areas as places where paywalls should not work. Mm. Um, So I'm going around to all of these towns and and small uh, areas where uh, a digital product uh, should not work at all. (laughs) And uh, so... The Welch news uh, it's about a hundred years old or so. It's in um, the southern part of of West Virginia. Um, I believe the population's under about two thousand people or so um, and I, I I met them through a um, a workshop and before twenty twenty so they they started. Um, their website in january of 2020 uh, i think i think at the end of uh, january Mm -hmm. and the goal uh was to let's see if a paywall will work for them let's see if they can get their original content on a website if if let's see if people will actually pay for for this access and so i worked with them uh, a few weeks before we launched, getting them up and running, um, getting them used to publishing articles on a WordPress-based site. And um, within within 10 days, um, and keep in mind the market's pretty small, mm-hmm. uh, they had um, 100 new subscribers. These were paying subscribers, not, not a trial, um, not a free subscription. <laughs> Uh, This was 100 new paying subscribers, Um, Mm -hmm. and this has increased, obviously. They had um, 1,000 new Facebook followers in the first 10 days Mm -hmm. uh, after they launched uh, their website. And what I think is really interesting about the Welch News, um, I mean, I I love working with them. I, I talk with them all the time, is... A lot of their subscriptions are out of the region, so mm-hmm. they see uh, maybe 30 to 40 percent uh, of their digital revenue uh, from out of state. So wow. uh, perhaps people who are, um, you know, from the region or have grandparents or whatever, have family in the region who are, are no longer living in the region uh, are are subscribing uh, to to their digital product, so it's in a way it's opened up uh, their market. You know, it's now be, way way beyond uh, that the county in which that they're you know that they're in. So
1: that's amazing. Thirty percent.
2: I think so. Yeah, that's. It's been a while since I've taken a look at it, uh, but it's it's high. It's a, it's a high um, uh, amount that, that that surprised me to be honest. Yeah, um, interesting to know, you know, why,
1: like, I don't know if they have a handle on, you know, why people are subscribing out of state, if it's family or if some people move.
2: Yeah, well, I I think in, in West Virginia, there's there's definitely an emphasis on community and like like home and um, uh, family and that sort of thing. So I think you could probably uh, attribute some of that to that um yeah it's it was, it was also a region in the 1950s where i think they had nearly a hundred thousand people that lived in the community it was a booming coal town yeah. so there's there's history uh in the area so i'm not exactly sure you know what to attribute it to exactly but those are those are some of the factors interesting
1: yeah cool um all right. So thanks for that. And, uh, Jeremy, I think you
0: wanted to talk a little bit about the Heisenberg report. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. So there's a site we've been working with for a while called the Heisenberg report, um, which is really interesting. So it's, um, you know, kind of an opinion news website, um, that was started as a hobby, um, and has kind of taken off and, um, it has gone from just kind of a side project type thing, uh, to being almost, uh, basically a, a full time, uh, full time gig, uh, with, you know, paying subscribers and everything. Uh, so it was really cool. It's, it's a very niche, uh, you know, niche publication, uh, talks about a very specific thing. Um, but it just goes to show, you know, even having kind of a, a niche audience can be enough if you get enough, uh, you know, if you find the right people uh, to bring in a full-time income. Um, So there's, you know, people that are actually making this work that normally wouldn't be, you know, your normal traditional publisher, uh, you know, news group type thing that are still able to take the paywall uh, process uh, and apply it to their, you know, what they're interested in, what they're, uh, what they like talking about, and connecting with you know people around the world about that specific topic. And they're able to take that and, uh, and make a good, uh, make some good money off of it. So it's, it's pretty, pretty cool to have seen the, um, you know, over the years to see it grow and see how it's uh, turned into what it is um, and to be able to help with the, with the paywall side of that. Yeah. They, they have
1: definitely a very unique angle on the world of, finance and a little bit of politics too, uh, basically covering the markets in their own special way. And, you know, we also know that from their feedback that has now turned into a substantial income, it's been a good income for them. Um, and if it started off as a hobby, <laughs> I think that uh, speaks a lot to chasing something that you think other people would like that you find interesting that other people would like to know. Um, they do get a fair amount of commentary on their site. So there's definitely a lot of engagement from their audience. And uh, of course you have to be a logged in paying subscriber in order to uh, leave a comment, uh, which is easy enough to set up. Uh, the other thing I I uh, uh, also actually just realized is that they, um, like the Austin Monitor, They only allow uh, you know paying subscribers access to archives and they also have the archive set at 90 days uh, which is interesting so there's a there's another benefit to uh, giving archive access and um, apparently there's some value into you know digging into the past when it comes to financial markets
2: yeah I, I've always liked the idea of um, archives uh, selling that at a premium and um, I know that uh, for a lot of newspapers, um, the the target market for that is usually like attorneys or people who are
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know uh, looking to to do research. so
1: yeah, yeah, business, corporates, yep
0: government governance maybe yeah exact. yeah and that uh, I think that you know kind of speaks into why it's important to know kind of who your different demographics are um, and knowing that there could be, you know, while that might not be important for some, you know, you could have a target market that it is. So, you know, knowing what all of your different verticals that you're going after and your demographics is an important part of running a successful paywall.
1: Absolutely. Um, Speaking of new products, um, I I almost forgot to mention iPolitics. Um, uh, So they're a Canadian political news publisher and they sell premium access to their content. They, they run leaky paywalls, meter paywall. Um, but during election season uh, last year, they uh, created a three month product. Uh, I think I mentioned this maybe in an earlier podcast, but it's, it's absolutely a new product. Um, and they cover daily cover what was going on with uh, Canadian elections for three months. And while they charge, a nominal amount monthly, I forget what it is, five bucks a month for their regular content, they were charging $300 uh, for access to their election coverage. And it was sort of a sliding scale. If you signed up in the middle, it would be $150 of the three month period. Uh, But they did well with that. And, um, you know, they turned it on for the three months, Um, they got a bunch of subscribers from it, then they turned it off. And, you know, they'll probably do it again. And that's a that's another another example of maybe having a special focus on some event going on in your community that you can charge access for and charge additional access for and price accordingly. Okay, so the last publisher that uh, that I want to talk about I think that we're we have on this uh, on the schedule for today is uh, DK on Pittsburgh Sports or now. It's called DK Pittsburgh Sports. And um, we um, worked with uh, DK uh, years ago to get him launched. And and, uh, this was truly a a startup story where he worked for the uh, Pittsburgh Tribune as a sports writer, um, nationally recognized sports writer. And he decided to go off on his own and start up a sports blog. uh, all about Pittsburgh sports, so Steelers, um, Penguins, uh, et cetera, including college uh, sports in the area, but really more focused on professional sports. And he got the jump on this, and I remember uh, in, he was charging $3 per month for a subscription. And I remember in the, it was like in the first um, – The first year he hit he just about hit 10,000 paid subscribers and I just couldn't believe it. Um, We were in the middle of developing apps. um, The paywall was running and um, uh, it it turned into a full blown business very quickly. So one of the lessons learned for me was that, wow, we love sports in this country. (laughs) Just, I, I, you know, the, the, the fan, the, Fans are just amazing and obviously willing to support uh, good sports writing, and so so that was that was pretty cool. And um, uh, now the model has changed quite a bit. He's got a large staff. uh, He's got some known sports writers. uh, He's covering, creating a lot more content on the site, and uh, he's taken a um, a sponsorship uh, approach to income generation. And I'm not, you know, I'm not 100% in on exactly where where um, the revenue is coming from but the major sponsorships is a is a big part of it uh, uh, for the content Uh, but what's interesting is is that he's got and he's published this on his site he's got uh, over 60,000 app uh, downloads Uh, so you can see that his audience had continued to to build and build and build and the thing I find most interesting and we and this sort of wraps back to email list uh, building which is Uh, we will sound like a broken record for a very long time talking about but it's that important is that he he doesn't have a free registration wall or anything like that on his site all his content is open right now but if you want to leave a comment and from what i understand if you're you know if you're a sports fan for a team you kind of want you to share your opinion on that team that has been the gateway for people registering on the site just so they can leave comments and participate in the discussion. So I think the moral of the story here is, yeah, you can do a free registration wall and that works great. Uh, But if it's sports related or you are serving a, uh, another really, really passionate audience where people absolutely are, you know, running over themselves to comment, then maybe comments is your, is your gateway to collect those free registrations. And then you simply attach your, you know, anybody who registers to to leave comments gets added to your, your email list, whatever you, you happen to use. So uh, I think in that way, that's a pretty pretty neat way of continuing that that uh, that list building practice. And uh, uh, you know, he's been doing this uh, full time for, for for a bunch of years now, and and uh, um, it's just one more example of of uh, of a startup. And I uh, and to to wrap this up. I would say that, um, if you're, if you're thinking about starting something, whether it's a new product or whether you just, you have some very, very strong, uh, opinions that, you know, this information, you know, this particular, whatever your set of information that you have an expertise in needs to be brought to an audience, then, then, uh, you, you can absolutely do it, uh, whether it's a email newsletter approach, whether it's You know, you're focusing on a niche, um, whether you're creating, whether you're already selling subscriptions and you want to create a new product and really, like Jeremy said, just really ratchet down the focus on the super niche that's willing to pay you a hundred bucks a month or whatever you decide to charge. Um, These are all really pretty easy things to do from a technical standpoint. I know it's not easy to do from a content standpoint because you have to create all this content, um, but creating You know, creating products uh, today from the tools side, from what we see, is very easy, uh, especially what what the tools we work with on our our Leaky Paywall platform. Um, And we'll get into more of that uh, as well in in future podcasts. And one of the things we're going to cover is what what you can do with your existing content and repackage that. Um, So build that email list, start the new publication, start the new product. Um, and if you have any questions or, uh, just reach out to us, you can reach me personally at Pete at, uh, Zine 101. I love chatting about, um, anything digital marketing in the
0: publishing space. Thanks for listening to the paywall podcast. You can find us at paywallpodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe in your podcast player of choice, and we'll see you next episode.